Hello, and welcome to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind. I'm Dorothy Stewart, Executive Director of Old Fire Health School, and I'm here with Alex Dutton, Program Director for Lafayette. Today, we are going to be talking with some experts on nature and the importance of nature for young children. We have with us Cheryl Embry and Cindy Margulis, and they recently did an inspiring workshop for our teachers, and we wanted them to share some of this information for you. But first of all, let's start with their backgrounds, because they're pretty impressive. So Cheryl, you want to tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. I have been a naturalist with the East Bay Regional Park District for 26 years, and I just retired a couple of years ago. I also have written nature blogs, including for KQED Science, and I also am continuing to volunteer for Golden Gate Audubon and lead bird walks and am still pursuing getting children outdoors in nature. (laughs) Wow. And Cindy... What about your background in this? I've actually been involved with wildlife for about 20 years now, either as a docent for the park district or for the zoo or for other agencies doing bird observations, including as a volunteer for Golden Gate Audubon, where I'm now the executive. Wow. Okay. Let's begin by asking you both, what brought you to believe this was so important that you would devote your life to this? Well, I started in outdoor education where I lived at residential nature facilities where kids would come up and spend a week of their school year and be immersed in nature. And so that just showed me how important it was for kids to get outdoors. For a lot of them, it was their first time being out in the mountains and the woods and going out at night with a group. And I just saw big changes after a week up in the the woods. And so then I pursued a career where I would be able to facilitate that. And it's been very rewarding. I feel like I've really been able to change a lot of kids' lives just by connecting them more deeply with nature. So inspiring. Cindy, what about you? Well, I've always found nature to be the biggest thrill in my life, whether you're watching wildlife or you're just having a beautiful experience. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, so there were fireflies in the summer, so it was a source of wonder. So nature to me is a way of sparking all of the creative imagination of children, their excitement about learning and discovery, and also stimulating their creative side for art, for example, or songs or dances or poems about nature. So for me, nature is just the ultimate inspiration. So why is it that you think that parents don't get their children out in nature? Or do they get their children out in nature enough? Well, I think what I suspect is that parents are really busy now. And, you know, we live in an area where it's almost required that both parents are working. And so it's not the same as when I grew up and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And, you know, she, in the summertime, would just turn us loose in the morning and expect that we'd come home for meals. And I think a lot of kids, including my own kids when they were growing up, I couldn't just leave them at home to their own means while I was working. So they were very programmed. And I suspect that that's the case for a lot of kids today, you know, that they go from a preschool to soccer or taekwondo or something and have very little time that they can just be outdoors and exploring on their own. I like that you said there's a, I mean, there's a difference between being outdoors and actually being in nature. It's not just that you're outside and getting fresh air, which is very important, but really being in exploring nature is different than, yeah, going to soccer practice or having a swim lesson. Right. Like when I grew up, I had an open field across the street from my house and I would spend most of a day out there with my friends just, you know, looking at bugs and playing games and the mustard and... (laughs) 
You know, I don't think that's available for most kids today. And if it is, parents don't feel so safe about having their kids just go and explore on their own. And so they're supervised all the time. I think Cheryl is absolutely right. I think there's so much programming and stress that parents are under. And one of the reasons that they may not find it so easy to connect their kids to nature is because the parents themselves are disconnected from nature. And it's a real problem in our society because we need nature. We need it as a de-stressor above all else. At least I find that. But we also need it as a place to discover the world around us, to have respect for natural things and the ecology of the place, but also to connect with ourselves. And so I think by parents reconnecting with nature and using that opportunity with young children to rediscover and connect to nature, I think it works beautiful for both generations. It really does. My family really enjoys camping. And what we'll find when we do get to go camping, which isn't nearly as often as we'd like, is that maybe the first day the kids are kind of like, what are we going to do? What are we What are we supposed to do outside? And, and everybody is a little bit, you know, still used to having a lot more programming kind of in their lives. But by the second day, and if we're able to make it a longer trip, like if we're actually camping for three or four days, everybody's so much happier. We're just relaxed. I don't have to tell them we're outside. Just, just go. There's a tree. You gotta climb that tree. It's really nice how everybody relaxes. It is something that all of us in the beginning of like, I don't know, I was hoping you, you would just run out and do something and I would be able to read my book. You're a child, don't you know? Right, right. But it's true. Like we expect the children just to like know what to do. But if the children aren't having these experiences as often, then they also are not sure what they're supposed to do when they're outside. Right. Well, they're not in the habit of exploring. So let's talk a little bit about what you can do to make, besides just going outside with them, to make them be interested in nature. Well, some of the things that you can do if you're not so comfortable being outdoors is to go on a guided program. And we have a lot of agencies in the Bay Area that provide those kind of programs, often for free. So in the East Bay, there's the East Bay Regional Parks, and they have parks throughout the two counties, Alameda and Contra Costa County. And they offer so many free programs, hikes, um, programs especially for kids, and they also have some farm places that you could go, like Tilden or like Ardenwood. So there are lots of ways that you can enter into nature programming and just get started with your kids exploring outdoors. But how do you build that they're wanting to do it? I think you can make it almost like uh, for little kids, you can make it almost like a little scavenger hunt. So the parent can kind of scan around. Let's say you're in your backyard, for example, like go find something yellow. Then let's find something green. Then let's find something black. And all of a sudden they're exploring and as they're going to find those things, they're seeing other things. So that's like a little teaser starter process to get them used to searching around. The other thing that I always was most fascinated by as a child was little things that parents often disregard, like a spider weaving a web is magical to watch. And I'm kind of a spider phobe. I got to admit that. But watching them weave a web is pretty fantastic. Or ants scurrying back and forth or little pill bugs, things like that, that are oriented where the child's actually learning to focus. It's actually good for the child, but it's also really exciting because they're seeing something living. Yeah, you could even start a little nature garden. It doesn't have to be a big backyard garden. You can even do it in containers and just have the kids plant some seeds that they take care of and watch them grow. And then if it gets to harvest time, that's a bonus. <laughs> I spent a lot of time with my child as she loved nature and any little bug or animal. But there were also a lot of tears. Because things died. Things died. <laughs> yeah. Because things died. So how do you balance that out? They're developing that care for the world and 
I think it's important that we not try to shield children from every kind of experience that is unpleasant. It's a matter of having them experience that if they do. For example, maybe they watched a bug and they accidentally squished and they didn't mean to. And they discover that, oh, regret. And so you process that emotion in real time with the child. Like, oh, that's sad, you know, but let's look over here. See that butterfly and kind of take them to the next adventure and not dwell too much on the sadness. But I do think it's really important for children to learn and express and have cultivated their sense of compassion for other living things. And there's kind of no easier way to do that than with a little tiny creature that's totally vulnerable, where the kid is the giant and the little bug is the vulnerable one, and teaching that compassion. Yeah, and I think that kind of compassion really lays a strong groundwork for then being able to care for the natural world that, you know, they're the next generation that has to be able to step up and do that. We're already seeing in this current administration that that's not a priority. And so it would be great for this group of children to really know that taking care of nature is a very important thing and that it's really up to them. It's not going to be somebody else. It's going to be them. And that they do have a lot of power to be able to take care of nature. It's interesting. Every once in a while, we'll have bug projects. And they often start in the two-year-old classroom. And what we've seen is that, like you mentioned, now they're suddenly they're the giant. I think it's such an interesting feeling for them that they are not the smallest people anymore, the smallest creatures, because they're so used to being the, the tiny ones. And it gives them a little bit of a sense of power. And then it also is able to to help them develop so much of the self-regulation and the self-control to not want to reach out and touch everything or squish it by accident. And the groups that have done these bug projects, what we've seen is over the years, they take that knowledge of how to be safe and gentle and respectful of nature with them as they get older. And so they understand not to just pick every single flower or not that not every bug is something to pick up and or that you can't keep it. You have to put it back where you found it if you did find something. So it really stays with them. It makes an impression. I think that's a really important point and it's one of the reasons that a school like Old Firehouse School is so important because you're cultivating that sense of compassion really young and building it. It's like compassion for me is a muscle and you have to exercise it and continually exercise it throughout your life. But if you don't develop that muscle's capacity when it's very young, it's not going to be as durable and we really need more compassion in our world. We have a tiny compost bin in one of our two-year-old classrooms that's doing a worm uh, or a bug project right now. And at circle time today, the teacher got out the compost thing and pulled out the worms. And she just said, who wants to hold a worm? Every two-year-old wanted to hold a worm, which at the beginning of this project, it would have been maybe one or two kids. But by now that they've all learned that this is a living creature, these bugs are helpful, they all were out there holding these worms and just sitting with worms in their hands, which I was really surprised by. And it was so lovely to see that they had this respect and this interest in these little creatures and no one you know, decided all of a sudden, oh, I don't like it and threw it up in the air or just, you know, did something. They all, when they were done, they said, okay, I'm done. And they very gently put it back in the bucket. I was just amazed. And these children are two and a half, three years old now. So it was really something that over just a couple of months, they've developed this muscle of of compassion and respect for nature. I love that story. Um, It also underscores the fact that sometimes parents are like, ew, it's a worm. And so we have to be really careful not to project our fears or grossness or something onto children because children are in an exploratory phase at this stage of their life and they really 
want to explore. And so some things are you don't want them to touch, but for the most part, try not to put ew, gross, ew stuff so that they become afraid of everything that the parent doesn't approve of. Thinking about that issue of fear, and I know we've had some episodes where we've had really wonderful snakes in our yard, but the parents haven't thought that that was so great. Can you give some perspective about how we should approach nature, even though we're not sure about the creature's safety? Safety, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that's so awesome about learning nature, and really for me, it's a lifelong learning process, is that everything in nature has a function. And so just because we don't know what that function is, doesn't give us the right to disrespect that life form and say, oh, it's a snake, kill it. God forbid, that's kind of a terrible thing to think. Actually, our snakes are doing us a huge favor. I used to do a class at the zoo, and we would teach about snakes. And I would say, if we didn't have snakes in our world, we'd be up to our eyeballs in rats and mice, and our food source would be ruined, etc. So snakes are doing us a huge service. So even if we're a little afraid of snakes, we should respect them and stay back from them if we're afraid of them, rather than try to harm them just because we're afraid. Yeah, I think that's really important, too, when you do go out into nature. It's definitely an uncontrolled environment. You know, there are all kinds of animals living in that habitat, and it's a very important place for them. It's their home. And so when we go and visit their home, it shouldn't be that we're going there to harm them or the place that they live. And so I think it's really an important teaching moment to talk to the kids about how can we take care of this place that we're going to be walking today, you know, staying on the trails, not harming any of the animals, not tearing apart any of the animal homes that we see. Those are really important rules to establish with the kids. What else should parents be thinking about in terms of introducing their children to nature? One of the things is the benefits that there are for getting kids into nature. There have been a lot of studies lately that really support how important it is for children's development, as well as reducing their stress. And it looks like all that children and adults need is about two hours a week of being outdoors to radically reduce the stress hormones in their body. So that can be really simple things. And it's very doable, you know, a half hour a day of going out and taking a walk outdoors just Uh in the neighborhood or if you have time to go up someplace in the parks. It's really achievable. And they're finding that it can help kids that have ADHD as well as learning disabilities. It reduces their stress and it improves the way that they can take in information. I think it can be done in such little ways that it's so easy for parents. So, for example, a little walk around the neighborhood looking for what's alive and ask the kids to find everything that's alive. And pretty soon they realize that everything's alive and that makes them feel more alive and they connect with their parent through those conversations. The other thing is that you can extend the value of nature by doing that. So, for example, maybe you go out on a walk and you see a bunch of flowers and the kid was particularly taken by one person's roses that they saw, for example. Then while the parents are prepping dinner, the kid can draw a picture of the rose. And it's a way to extend the connection to nature and the creativity and make that last longer and the impact of that experience, even if it was a short one. Cindy, tell us what's going on with the Golden Gate Audubon Society now. Well, we're very busy right now. Our Osprey family is about to fledge. 
So you can tune in to the sfbayospreys.org website and see this family of ospreys that's living right on our bay, and the youngsters are flapping away. In fact, today there was some hovering right over the nets. It's a really exciting time to watch them. And even after the youngsters fledge, meaning take their first flight, they will come back to the nest. So you're being able to watch this family drama right on the bay on your devices and iPads and whatever people are using to watch. And it's a great way to talk about family because now you're looking at a family of birds. Yes. Forget the real housewives. Let's watch the real (laughs) (laughs) I do have to warn everyone, it's a little addictive because it's high definition video and it's beautiful. It really is. It's something that my own child likes to watch because it's fascinating to watch whether they're eating or whether, you know, where are all of them right now? What are they doing? And it is something that nice. It's nice to check in. It's like, it is kind of like a TV show. Like, what are they doing now? The Osprey soap opera. There's also the fun thing that's a good ritual for the family is either breakfast rituals, having that over at breakfast, because you can see them having their breakfast at the same time, but also a good night ritual because the Ospreys do sleep fairly early. So it's a great ritual before bedtime to let the kids watch the Ospreys go to sleep. That's a great idea. Wow, Mm. that is a good idea. So do we have any last words of where they might look for more information? Well, uh, there are a lot of park agencies, as I said, with a lot of free activities. So the East Bay Parks, ebparks.org is a great place. You'll find all kinds of activities that you can participate in starting this weekend. And then some of the local parks in Marin County, as well as the state parks and Mount Tam have a lot of activities too. I also think it's a great idea to get some storybooks to read to your kids about nature. I know one of my kids' favorites growing up was The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. And I'm sure that there are a lot of others that you might enjoy with your child. And then get them outdoors. Absolutely. Librarians are a great resource. They love to recommend the best books about nature, and they will know what the kids are really loving, too. So they'll be really happy to talk to you when you visit your local library. Okay, so I think with that, we're going to close out. Thank you both so much for coming. It's been wonderful, and it's beautiful outside, so let's all get outside. Thank you very much. Bye. In this busy Bay Area, parents always need a little extra time and teachers always need a little extra money. What if there is a way to provide both? Announcing Old Firehouse Schools Concierge Service. We have negotiated a partnership with local service professionals for our parents and teachers. When parents purchase meal services, house cleaning or photography from one of our vendors, a percentage of the service fees go to your child's teacher. Old Firehouse School charges nothing for administration. There are many benefits, but specifically, one, you'll gain quality time for yourself and your family. Two, your teacher receives extra money. And three, your child is more likely to keep his or her primary caregiver. You can even order services as a gift for your friends, neighbors, or relatives. Take a look at the service offerings on our website's concierge program page.